0: it's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling higher calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist chester moore be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there welcome to the higher calling this is chester moore calling um You know, this is going to be an interesting show because we got Jeff Stewart, one of my good friends who is just a plethora of informational wild things. And we're recording here at the Kingdom Zoo Wildlife Center, and I've got birds two rooms away. So if you hear exotic sounds, I'm not in the jungles of the Amazon looking for jaguars or deep in the heart of Africa. I'm in Orange, Texas at the uh, Higher Calling Studios. And... You know, a topic that I have been writing about since the beginning of my career has been feral hogs. And since I wrote my book, uh, Hog Wild here, I published it about eight years ago through Texas Fishing Game Publishing. I've been talking about the dangers of feral hogs potentially, and as human populations increase, feral hog populations increase, the clash. And we're seeing that with the death last November, about an hour from me in Anahuac, Texas, and a really crazy attack that occurred just about a month ago. In a February of 2020, outside of Conroe, Texas, and I think of animals like slashing people open, and mauling them, and people striking back. I think of Jeff Stewart. How you doing, Jeff?
1: Hey, my brother. I am doing great, man. This is a just a typical, wonderful,
0: dreary, rainy East Texas uh, day, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, well, I will tell you what, Jeff is an author. He's a, a wild game cook. He's a television star. He's done a lot of really cool stuff, and Jeff knows a lot about hogs. And The reason I want to get you on, Jeff, and this initial hog, I'm sure will be of many shows that we do here on Higher Calling, is uh, I had an article about six months ago called Feral Hog Invasion of the North, and right now feral hogs are in 38 states, and they will be in the rest of them (laughs) before long, and... One of the things that's really happening, we're seeing that westward expansion in areas that don't have them and also north. And what's interesting is Montana just has verified its first feral hog populations coming in from all places, Canada to the north. And I got to thinking about, you know, a lot of those areas, people who elk hunt and people who go out and hunt pronghorn and bear hunt and all these things are not used to encountering hogs. And, you know, there's a profile that Dr. Jack Mayer, uh, a great researcher, did, and I've written extensively on this, about the profile of a killer hog and the hog that is most likely, according to attack reports, death certificates, etc., kill people, is a large lone boar. Now, that's a fatality. You and I have both talked before how we think that sows or babies are probably more likely to attack. But that large lone boar is the kind of animal— That's gonna find itself out in some of these remote areas, some guys trying to fill that trophy elk tag or something, and now we're gonna have a lot of people that have never grown up like you and I did around hogs and may have their guard down. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. I
1: read, you know, that there's, you know, all these states are, are starting to see feral hogs, and I think, you know, what what would keep feral hogs out of a state, and, and you know, really, truthfully, you can't, you can't find anything. No. Maybe the you know the deserts uh, in Nevada or you know New Mexico, you know, somewhere that, that may not have uh, the water sources that hogs like, but you know, anywhere where you've got water and you've got any kind of food, if basically if deer can survive there, hogs can too. Yeah, that's an absolute gonna, fact.
0: They're going to get on. I was. Get them. I was at 6,200 feet in far west Texas on Elephant Mountain photographing bighorns and saw a hog trap on top of the mountain. And I said to the Parks and Wildlife officials, I guess you got a hog problem. He said, no, we don't have a problem, but they come through New Mexico. It's gotten more hogs now um all these states are starting to get them you know of course like you mentioned the deserts are more relegated to certain areas and they are widespread like they are in places like texas and louisiana and florida but you still have this massive influx of hogs and the one thing that blew my mind when the lady got attacked and killed in anahuac were the hunters were the clueless public apologizing for hogs saying there's no way That a hog did that. That, like a hog ate the body, but a hog did not kill the person. And you and I both know there is not only proof of hogs killing people, but these animals, if given the chance, will do what they got to do to survive. Or simply, they just may want to kill somebody.
1: Yeah, you get. Do you hunt hogs as much as I have in my life? I, I remember the first hog that I remember killing with my father in the Sabine River bottom was mid to late 70s. But the stories of the hogs, you know, I was always told when I went out squirrel hunting, you know, look out for hogs. Yep, me too. You know, be ready to climb a tree, be ready to do whatever to get away from, you know, a hog. So the fear was there. The hogs were there from way back. You know, we both know that the the settlers and the, the people that came into East Texas, they would let their hogs roam free in the river bottom and get fat and then yep. they would go out there because what they always called you know hog calling time they'd go out there and gather up all the hogs and everybody had their own uh, notch they would cut in the ears and things like that to identify your hogs from my hogs but you know we both know that the way hogs are they never caught all the hogs sure those hogs were there. and as time went on and meat got more plentiful in the supermarkets and easier and cheaper um you know what happened to those hogs you know eventually what 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 hogs were there that were kind of halfway tame just became feral and the stories are there of of dogs getting ripped up people's coon dogs getting ripped up out you know coon hunting and people that were coon hunting themselves getting chased up trees getting their legs cut up and my thing deal is with the uh, you know boar hogs killing more people i think a lot of that has to do too with the fact that the boar hogs their tushes get so much larger sure. than the female yep. the males have them they're you know an, an inch or so long where uh, a large boar will have them and i've got ones in my collection here that are six and seven inches maybe even eight inches long that i've taken out of uh boars and they're you know sharp enough that if, if you were to stab somebody with it it'd stab them like a knife so, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, I believe that, that boars are more deadly just simply because of their uh, weaponry, basically, that they carry.
0: You know, that's a really interesting point. And also, some of these larger boars are territorial. You know, they, they tend to back off of other animals. You know, they, they tend to, to get in the, uh, the background, so to speak, and they don't—they don't, ter- they don't mingle as much as they do with the other ones once they get a certain size so these guys want yeah. to come, come across that hog doesn't like someone being there not a good thing and you brought up an incredible point about the the old practice of having the hogs running around on the bottomlands and stuff right that is such a a good point because people in modern history don't realize that see the early spanish explorers brought the first hogs to america they, they put them in florida they put them in texas as a food source. But that was a limited number, and they grew or whatever. But when the farming started down here in the South, that was a very common practice. So you had the initial stock of hogs from Europe, and then you had all these different brands. You know, if you look in East Texas, I never heard the word feral hog until I started reading it in Outdoors magazines. I heard Piney Woods Rooter. Yep, exactly. Yep, and that was a local term for these hogs. They typically had a longer snout. And they were known to be very, very aggressive. And I always heard that warning. Hey, if you go down on the bottoms and you're going to go squirrel hunting, you're going to go fishing out in the creek, watch out for the hogs. You know, and that was that was not just, that wasn't like over caution. That was just what you learned growing up. So these guys going out on public land scouting for elk or whatever, they may be watching for bear, but totally overlook hogs. I mean, if I go into an area, say I'm going out still hunting and I'm creeping along, and I I, I learn I know I can smell a hog. I have actually come up and harvested hogs I smelled them first, and you see the signs of the rubs on the trees and the you know people don't realize hogs will rub their tusk just like a bo- just like a deer rubs its antlers, uh, and they'll sharpen it up on stuff. You can look at all these different signs if people know. So we're going to be putting out a higher calling and mentioning on here some things just to watch for if you're in what I call unfamiliar hog territory, you know because. These people, just like you and I, I have an education on bears, but I'm not a bear sign expert because I haven't been out in the field long enough to like, like have it ingrained in my DNA. So when I go out into bear country, like I was in Yellowstone last year, I studied up a little more, talked to some experts there, and prepared on little subtle things to look for because that may save someone's life.
1: Exactly, you know, people that don't. Uh, hunt hogs, don't encounter hogs on a regular basis, they won't have a respect for a hog. Because to them, when they see a hog, oh, that's so big, you know, look at that, that's curious, but they're not going to be wary of that hog. Yeah. And that could lead to some really, um, really horrific encounters if they do get between a hot sow and a boar who's aggressive because. You know, he's after that sow, just like, you know, your yard dog, he may be the kindest, friendliest dog. But if there is a female in heat in the next yard, he may turn vicious and attack every animal in the yard and may even bite you because those pheromones coming off of that female have a chemical and a a, uh, psychological reaction in that dog that create more aggression. It's the same thing with these hogs, buck, deer, you know, everything. Whenever they're in estrus and the bucks are rutting and uh, the boar hogs are rutting too, they they get more aggressive, they lose their inhibitions and their fears of human beings, and all they know is if you're in my way of getting to that female, you're in bad shape. And that could cause some serious problems in the woods if people don't educate themselves. And that's one thing I love with the uh, you know, Texas Fish and Game articles that you've done, I've done, some of our, uh, our colleagues have done, and the work that you've done um, on, on all fronts, your books, everything else that, that people really need to grab a hold of and read because it could potentially – not necessarily just save their life, but save them from injury or just a ruined hunt if they just take the time to read some of this stuff. Yeah,
0: you know, you mentioned the uh, the whole pheromone thing and the rut. Well, I killed about a 175-pound hog one day. I was in my stand. This is, once again, J- Jeff and I, I hunt the southern bottoms of the Sabine River. He hunts the northern. Uh and I'm down here in the Sabine River Bottoms, and I hear all hell breaking loose. And I hear grunting and squealing. I'm like, man, it sounds like a pig. Like, it sounded like a dog. It got, like a catch dog got a hold of a pig. but And I'm like hearing all this ruckus. And here comes down this little hill, this boar mounting a sow. And she, as she's going down the hill, he's still trying to, to hump her, right? Well, right. behind him is another hog, another boar, a bigger boar. And he jumps up and knocks that boar off. And I watched them fight till they got within shooting range uh, for about 20 minutes. They were coming out of the brush and I finally got to shot the bigger boar. But these hogs were so mad at each other. I mean, it was like a fight to the death thing. And it was I wish I had a camera. It was right before we had good cell phone camera. I would have just filmed that. It was incredible. But I would hate to be between the 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 sow and the boar and you can find yourself in an ugly situation and the thing about this is you and i both know white rut a pretty much defined period they're, they're not going to be rutting in august they're not going to be running in march elk rut in a pretty defined period hogs will have rut periods all year so if you know some of that stuff's going on out there if you see a little bit of that kind of action you better be cautious
1: and, you know, with sows, uh, a lot of people don't know, you know, that they they come into their first heat or their first estrus at six months of age.
0: Yeah, that's crazy.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. And if you've got a group of hogs, instead of it being called a herd, it's called a founder. Sounder, yeah. So if you've got a founder of hogs out in the woods, say it has 30 hogs in it, half of those hogs are breeding-age females. So – one of those hogs is going to be in heat pretty much at any given time during the year, yes, any sir. any day, week, month, and as that sounder grows, or maybe you may have two or three different sounders on a property if the property is large enough, and those big, long bores are traveling between each sounder because there's always a hot female. And you may encounter a... a uh, very uh, ill-tempered right. boar hog any day of the week, any month of the year,
0: and that could be a very intense situation. And think do 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 the math in Texas, what the percentages are of that being out there. So these are just some things we're wanting to educate you, not terrify you, maybe inspire you to go hog hunting. But Jeff, and we'll talk more about this later because uh, this is going to take us down a little rabbit hole. You know, some of these states have already banned hog hunting, which is to me an ins- <laughs> is an insanity. But um, you know you got this hog situation. You mentioned the sows, and uh, I just got a email from a reader a couple of months ago with these photos. He was bow hunting at the Laguna Atascosa Wildlife Refuge in South Texas, and he sees this sow on the on the edge of this creek. And there's like a berm above the creek. Well, he wasn't in range, so he stalked around, got down below it, and when he popped up. The sow was nowhere to be seen, but he's stepping over the levee, seeing if she was, like, maybe just on the actual creek itself, and he hears all this crazy squealing. He had stepped literally inside her baby's lair, and he sees these babies going crazy, squealing, and then the mom comes running out. And let me tell you something. A bow and arrow is not a good self-defense weapon. (laughs) It's not what you want to draw on. But this guy drew his bow... Yeah, this guy drew his bow up and shot the, the the sow dead in the head. The arrow penetrated right above the eye, and it dropped her dead. But that sow, you and I both know, uh, hell hath no fury like a sow with piglets.
1: No. no uh, I, you know, one of the first memories I have of hog hunting, uh, actually we weren't hog hunting, but probably 1975, 76, somewhere in there, uh, my father and I were in the Sabine River bottom and we were squirreling hunting, and we happened to walk up and over this little creek bank and there was about eight or ten piglets there that probably weighed about 20 pounds apiece-hmm.
0: being a taxidermy fanatic thinks that would have been a great trophy over the mantle the one the, the hog you kill with the barrel of the the butt of a gun you know <laughs> exactly
1: but you know it, it kills to the tenacity this was about 100 to 150 pounds sow.
0: yeah and this one the guy killed was probably about that size she wasn't a giant she was just an average size sow. but she came at him like she was a 700 pound grizzly well
1: she took four point i mean maybe he started shooting she was 20 yards from us yeah so she took four number fours because he shot one at the piglet so he had four left she took four shotgun blasts head on and still had he had to at least i mean i don't remember i was a little kid but i remember he hit her with that gun in the head maybe eight to ten times amazing you know my dad was a pretty stout fella and and you know, I'll never forget dragging, you know, of course, I'm the kid, so I'm dragging the little 20-pounder, and Dad's got the big sow, dragging them back, and just being in awe at the whole situation, because that was my very first experience with wild hogs or feral hogs in the Sabine River bottom, and the very first um, meeting with them, I guess you would say, was that exciting. You know, it was very, very intense.
0: Well my first meeting with them, hogs, was actually in Lano County, out in the western well the central part of the state. And uh I had just shot my first doe and the doe was laying we just let her lay there because it's early in the evening we thought, well maybe some other deer will come. I was so excited and was with my uncle Jackie. I had a two twenty two He had a 30-odd-six, and about five minutes before the last shooting light, my uncle raises up, and I see this intense look on his face. Now, we were on the ground. We couldn't afford a blind, so we had like a burlap uh, camo thing wrapped around a cedar tree, right? And we're right there, and I look up, and I thought they were cattle. They were huge (laughs) hogs, three of them, running full blast at us, full. Like, they were locked in. And when they got it about 20 yards, he rolled one and it ended up running off. He hit it, but it ran off. And then we had to walk a mile back with my deer. So my first hog encounter was, a, was look. I couldn't tell, I don't remember if they were boars or sows. I know one of them was a sure boar because they had kind of the ridge back and all that, the lead animal. But it was that intense thing like, oh my God, this thing's going to come eat us. And I don't know what the intent was, but I can tell you this much. These things were locked in and... And that's the thing about a hog, Jeff. You mentioned this thing. She meant business, and the guy down in Laguna Atascosa that hog came straight out. These were come in. Everyone I know that has been charged by a hog has no doubt when they get done with the situation that the thing, if if it got a hold of them, would not have stopped until they were dead. And these things can mean serious serious business and they get really big we'll talk more about that in a second right now we talk to you about my friends at the houston safari club foundation this is an organization that supports hunting and conservation they've taken hundreds of kids hunting and fishing given out over two million dollars in scholarships and they provided more than four million dollars in grants to protect wildlife and habitat at home and abroad They host great monthly events and annual convention where you can meet other hunters and learn about all types of hunting. Don't let the name mislead you, however. They are not just about safaris. For example, I've never been on a safari, but I love the Houston Safari Club Foundation. But they support all kinds of hunting and represent all kinds of hunting. Education, conservation, and protecting the future of hunting. That's what the Houston Safari Club Foundation is about. You can call 713-623-8844 for more information or go to wehunt.com. WeGive.org to learn more. Hogs invading the West, invading the North, expanding their range. Lots of uh, crazy encounters and things going on with hogs around. And um, the latest attack in Texas was um, a guy heard a hog messing with his dogs outside and went out to kind of deal with it. And this boar came in and ended up trying to break down his door to get into his house. And it was a crazy—he ended up killing the pig, thank God. But um, it was a crazy situation with that determination, you know, and that and that's the thing. You know, and, and I look at this, Jeff, as the difference between a grizzly and a black bear. I just have an article in Sports Afield this month, um, and the opening line may be controversial, and it is that I would rather be attacked by a grizzly than a black bear. Now, that's counterintuitive to most people who would understand— But almost all, not let's say almost all, most grizzly attacks are a grizzly wanting to eliminate a threat. Usually a sow, you know, with cubs or a boar doesn't like you being there. And they tell you if a grizzly attacks you, play dead. Put your face down, cover your vitals, play dead. But almost every attack, and it's interesting, Jeff, because like 88% of um, fatal hog attacks are a lone adult boar. Well, almost, I think it was 89% of black bear attacks are a large adult adult boar, male bear. And here's the other thing. Almost every black bear attack is a predatory attack, or most grizzlies aren't. So they're supposed to fight back against a black bear attack. And it's that, you when know, I've talked to some people that have been attacked by black bears and deal with them. They said, when well, that black bear, if it's one that decides it wants you, it's got this intensity and this focus you know i'm a very focused person but i and when i look at certain animals and wildlife you see a level of focus that humans really can't get into it's just innate thing in nature and their mission is instinctively to do what they what they have to do and they think if if they want to eat you they're going to do what they can to eat you and hogs certainly have that ability. What I think is interesting, Jeff, and this is very anecdotal, it's, I don't have the budget for a scientific analysis of this, but there are certain regions that seem to have more aggressive hogs than others. And I want to see what you think about that. I'll give you a few things here. Um, Tennessee is renowned for very aggressive hogs in the mountains. Um, South Texas, the Southern part of Texas, and also Eastern Texas, those two particular areas seem to have more than maybe coastal Texas does or uh, the the panhandle area. And I have a theory on this, um, and it dates back to genetics. In in the 19, I believe it was the 30s, pure Eurasian boars were released into the Smoky Mountains for hunting purposes. And if you look at the number of hog attacks throughout Europe, it is way more than we have because they have pure Eurasian boar, purely wild hogs. And down in South Texas, they also stock those, and I see more of the classic European boar-looking animals. Have you ever noticed, even maybe within your own area, that there are certain pockets that seem to have more aggressive hogs?
1: And it, yes, and I'm right there with you. You know the the Eurasian boar. You can really tell in these feral hogs when they, especially when they have their young, if they have some some young that have, like, what I call racing stripes yep. down their side. Yep. Those have a high concentration of Eurasian boar in
0: them. Yes, sir. Now, they
1: have the little white piglets, the little black piglets, the little spotted ones, things like that, you know, like they do. Those have a lot of domestic hog in them. Yep. And then when you see these big boars coming through the woods and you see this big black, reddish tip on his, on his fur or uh, and he's got that high crest, razor back coming down, and he's got that head on him that just—I mean—looks like a rhinoceros without the without the horns. Yep. You know, come at you, got that big head, and he's so broad in the in the shoulder and narrow in the hips, and he's just built like a tank. You look at that, and you see that Eurasian boar more than you see domestic hog in him. And then you see other boars, you know, and they've got a big rear end and a big front end, and they look like Porky Pig out here in your, your pen that you're feeding out for the FFA show or something. Um, you say, well, that's a, that's got a lot of, you know, domestic hog. And the ones that I've run into that were the nastiest, the meanest, the roughest were the ones that had a high concentration of, the Eurasian boar, or what we always called the Russian boar.
0: Yeah, back in the 80s, it was definitely the Russian boar, right? The Russian threat. But, yeah, Russian boar, Eurasian boar, um, and those things have an incredibly wide distribution. You know, it's really incredible to see worldwide, globally. That's why, you know, I've heard European boar, but it's really Eurasian, because we're talking about a huge swath of territory, Um and they, there's a lot. I mean, there, there, there's, there's, there's a, a famous YouTube video of one walking to a business in China and just shredding the place. Have you ever seen that video? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, I, I've seen, I've watched the video a lot because it's just you're sitting there going, "Wow,
0: that's surreal." You know, you
1: know, just, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, in Texas, we have done shoddy. You know? Oh, it'd have been you know, over. He came in the store, even the lady behind the counter would have pulled a three fifty seven out from under the counter <laughs> <inside him. laughs> you know, yeah. but in China, you know, they, they can't, they're not allowed to have uh, any sort of protection. Um, I guess they might have could have sprayed him with some pepper spray or something. I, I don't even know if they're allowed that, but, uh, you know, they were, they were at the mercy of that when that hog decided it tore enough stuff up and was ready to go.
0: Yeah, and that and it's just amazing. I have an account in my book of a guy sitting on his couch in Germany and the hog busts through the screen door because they don't have AC over there. You know, leave the doors open a lot in the spring and summer. This thing busted and attacked him on his couch. But we had a guy with his door open in a similar situation in Pineville, Louisiana, about 15 years ago. They had a hog do the same thing. It ran in and, and attacked him sitting on his couch. Pretty crazy, huh?
1: You know, I, I can't imagine, you know, being here at my home in, in in East Texas and any animal, much less a hog, you know, busting through my door and just ransacking my house. One, I mean, the, he would literally, anything that came through would literally have to uh, wade
0: through about 40 dogs here in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, We heard him earlier. I'm like, there's no pig that's going to be unalerted on that property, right?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've, I used to hunt hogs with dogs years ago, and I, I stopped doing that. But I still have all my dogs. You know, they were they were loved, even though I hunted with them. They were my loved pets. So, you know, I've got two or three Catahoulas out here, and, and you know, I've got uh, a bunch of mountain curves, uh, two or three bulldogs and stuff that, that were my hunting dogs, and they're still all living here on the property. So,
0: you know, they're going to live
1: out to their old age is done. But they sure wouldn't let nothing, much less. I mean, a squirrel can't even get in my yard. But, you know, I, I remember being a teenager. And we had a, a camp set up down on the river. We were running some trot lines and things. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting around the campfire that night. It was a pretty chilly night, about like last night. It was in the 40s. And my dad saw something in the... the Fire, you know, flickering firelight at the edge of the the bin, grabbed a flashlight and shine. and there was about 20 pigs weighed anywhere from, from 40 to probably 80 pounds that had actually come up and bedded down about 40 or 50 feet from our camp. Wow. And my dad's like, you know, hey, go grab your gun because, you know, down there on the river we had a, at least had a 22 with us. And I got up and went over and we got my 22 and came back and was shining the flashlight on him. And Dad was like, you know, I know in just a minute. So he went to the truck and for some reason he had a big paper sack full of pecans. Mm-hmm. And he brought those those pecans over there and he started throwing them out there. And those pigs actually, he got them to come within like 20 feet, 15 or 20 feet of us. Wow. And, and all of a sudden they scattered, they were gone. And I shined that flashlight back, you know, maybe another 20, 30 feet back. And there was about a 250-pound boar that had come up. And he, they just, those little ones just scattered when he come up. So I knew he was like Mr. Mister Big Dog. He was the kingpin, and, right? Oh, yeah. And Dad held the flashlight, and I, I slid a twenty two Magnum bullet right behind that ear and dropped him like a sack of taters. But, you know, he was, he was huge. And had he come on in, he might have decided that if he didn't like our pecans, he was going to get us. But, you know, this shows you how close they came in just for something to eat.
0: Well, you know, that's interesting about like that boar causing that disturbance of the other ones. I was bull hunting in the Sabine River Bottoms, the southern edition, um, probably 20 years ago. And I had 13 hogs come into some corn that I had put out. And uh, and I was I was baiting specifically, trying to kill a hog, and I was about to draw back on about a 150-pound sow. And all of a sudden, I heard this one lone grunt, just like a whoop, kind of like this, almost dog-like. And I look up, and right to my north, there's about a 200-pound boar. He looked very Eurasian. He had a scar all the way across his head. I'm like, man, this guy's awesome. I have to get this mounted, right, because he's got the cool scar, you know. And I'm like, the wind's in my favor. There's no way I'm not getting this pig. He has no idea where I'm at. I'm 20 feet up a tree. Those big boars have a sixth sense because it literally walked around me. And I was hunting in an area with these big open pines and like Savannah-like habitat. He walked about 100 yards behind me, appeared, winded me, and left. I mean... It's crazy that these—and and the other hogs, once he, they got where they could smell him, as soon as they smelled him, they were out of there. And then he, he thought he was going to come in, right? But he winded me and, and left, so I lost—I didn't get a shot at anything that day. But it just shows you that the fascinating aspect of these animals and how even a large boar like that, that the smell of one coming or the sound— would scare the other ones. The pheromones you talked about earlier. Now, we had mentioned the fact of these Eurasian boars, this Canadian invasion of hogs into Montana coming out of Saskatchewan and um, some a few sightings in North Dakota coming out of Manitoba. There were literally Eurasian boars stocked in that part of the world 30, 40 years ago. So you have pure Eurasian stock and hybrid Eurasian stock there right now. So hunters up in that part of the world definitely might take a little more notice and i want to say this jeff there's nobody else going to be talking about this level of this stuff right now man i mean you and i grew up with hogs on the mind so it's an honor and privilege to share this information to let people and i'd like to do another show with you maybe in a couple of months just talking about our techniques for hog hunting how to let people who don't know find some great techniques to get hogs but right now it's about awareness and safety and people thinking that, uh, you know, that, that you know people who think that hogs are not such a bad guy to realize, hey, there is potential danger. But, you know, people freak out too much sometimes. I remember watching one of these. Do you remember about five years ago, there were like six or seven hog reality shows on TV? Oh, yeah. And they had one. And I remember it was like Glenda Knox. They always had that voice. The Knox has been locked in her trailer for two years because feral hogs are keeping her hostage. And it was a (laughs) and you hear it and it's like you think there's like a you know, a couple of hogs with a glock outside the door waiting to whack her when she walked out. And the story was she saw a hog in her yard, so she'd been terrified to go outside. That's a little silly and extreme, but there's also the instance of sometimes, Jeff, the corporate wildlife media, both in the hook and bullet and the just straight wildlife sectors don't like to talk about this kind of stuff because it doesn't seem politically correct or it doesn't seem like it's a positive thing well let me tell you something if we can save a life or or allow 100 to be more effective we're going to talk about it without regard to any of that crap because you know my boss is the lord otherwise i can do what i want here so we're going to talk about all this stuff that's why i got jeff Stewart. if i had pc on my mind the last guy on earth i would have. Is Jeff Stewart right? I gotta have straight. I gotta have
1: straight shoes. Yeah, <laughs> man. You know, and, I, and like some of those shows, you know, it's it, you get you don't get any middle ground. You get one side it. you either get the fl- warm, fluffy, fuzzy feeling uh, yeah. wildlife show, or you get the they are you know the, the <laughs> like jaws lurking in the forest. You know, exactly. going to eat the swimmer. It's going to eat the, the hunter or whatever, if you go hiking, you know, hogs are going to kill you. But it's one of those things where it's a real danger, it's a real threat, but if handled and with a little awareness and a little education, you can live out your life, even if you're a hiker and don't carry anything more than a a walking stick with you. You can hike the rest of your life and probably never have a harrowing
0: moment, but you need to know that if you smell that smell, Yep. If
1: you hear those specific sounds, if you see certain things, there's certain steps you can take to ensure your safety and the safety of your, your those with you. And we're not trying to scare you. We're not trying to def- deter you from enjoying the outdoors, but trying to just give you a little education so that you can enjoy the outdoors with, you know, a huge amount of comfort knowing that, okay, if we see a hog, I know what to do.
0: Well, I gotta got, and that's perfect, Jeff. But I've got kind of a, a little layered system of uh, just kind of things to look at, from like minor presence threat to a bigger threat for people to look at. I'm gonna we'll see how I agree with these. Number one is awareness. Like if you've heard of hogs going into your area, you know, just be aware that they're there, and you know, think about okay, I'm gonna keep a little closer look out there. If you're hunting, if you're elk hunting, your mule deer hunting, your whitetail hunting you're obviously going to be pay very close attention to what you're seeing to harvest that animal. Well, pay a little closer attention as you walk, like if you would in bear country, for what you might see on the horizon in the distance. You might notice that hog laying up and be a little cautious. Other thing is rooting. Um, Hogs root up the ground like a rototiller. And uh, if you see rooting in an area, big presence of hogs. The smell, undeniable, funky pig smell. If you ever been around a pig barn, that's pretty much what it's gonna smell like. Really funky. If you got that, you got hogs that have either been there very recently or there's one in the area. So watch out. Another thing is we talked about those lone boars. If you see rubbing about from six inches up to about 18 inches or so on a tree, that's definitely not a deer doing this. It could be a lone boar out there. So that might be an Aries Markins' territory. Take a little bit of precaution going in there as well, and, um, you know, the rest is pretty much common sense, man. If you see a bunch of little piglets, if you're a hunter listening to this, you're not going to go out and go, hey, I'm going to go pick up the piglets. But little Susie with the gluten-free sandwiches that lives in Austin, Texas, Or maybe San Francisco because California's got hogs too right and they've never been exposed to this and they go to the park or they go out there in the national park oh my god they see the cutest little striped baby pig that weighs about two or three pounds walking around and they want to catch it for their kids take a selfie for Instagram well Little Susie with a gluten-free sandwich and the, and the little vegan sandwiches and stuff right there and her essential oils is probably going to get hammered by a big sow. So don't mess with babies um, and use common sense. And here's the thing, and I want to inspire people here. This is a very deeply inspirational moment in my life. If it's legal and you have an opportunity, kill every stinking hog you can. They are destroying wildlife habitat. They are, they're eating turkey and quail eggs on the ground. They're rooting up, eating key deer, elk, moose food, all kind of great stuff. And they taste absolutely magnificent. And they're really fun to hunt. And Jeff and I will return to another point and do a hunting, about purely hunting them. Eat them. Kill them eat them. Great food, great fun, will add to your, um, add to the, you know, and right now with the coronavirus thing out here, you need a bunch of meat put up, right? So good hog meat to put up is wonderful and enjoy that part of the outdoors. So take to the threat by shooting it. What do you think about that, Jeff?
1: You know, that that's the most excellent thing you can do and I'll tell people this also. If you want to do something for your fellow man, fellow woman, fellow child, you want to be for lack of a better word you want to be a hero yeah i tell you what go out and start killing these feral hogs and start donating them to the hungry to the homeless to the churches there's somebody out there that will that you can give this meat to i kill uh, as of right now since september i've killed close to 200 hogs this year um 99 of those hogs have been donated to needy families They've been donated to churches. They've been donated to uh, just about anybody I can find that will want still. And most of the time, I'll, I'll, I'll at least clean them and quarter them. Um, for some families that, that are really needy that don't have the, the know-how, I'll go ahead and, and cut them into pork chops and debone it and stuff like that. But, you know, there's such an opportunity here to help the needy with these hogs even if you yourself you're like well i've killed three hogs this year my freezer's full well you can still kill them and help people out donate them but the big point is um, even though hogs are tasty and everything they are still breeding like rats and roaches here in east texas and all over the country for that matter and if we don't kill them we don't kill everyone we have an opportunity to kill. And the government is going to bring that poison in here. Yep. They are going to put that poison out, and they're going to kill deer. They're going to kill eagles. They're going to kill hawks, owls, coyotes, wolves, uh, any any predator, any scavenger. Your, your dog, Fido, that goes out there and finds uh, one of these dead animals and takes a bite of it is potentially going to die from these poisons that they are going to put out here because they're going to eventually have to do something to uh, try to stop these hogs. And as hunters and outdoorsmen and women, um, we've got a chance to keep that poison from our doorsteps by killing every hog we see.
0: I'll tell you what, man, I, it's hard to improve on that idea. The idea of kill them all, um, eat all you can, help the hungry. And that's a great way in this time of crisis, a way to to help other people. And I just got to end this, though, with uh, the first time I ran into hogs in a mountain. And just to tell you that it can get quite scary, but in hindsight, it can be pretty funny. So this is what happened, Jeff, in 1995. I went with my grandmother to Tennessee to help her, to take her to see some of her family before some of her family passed away. And I went into the Cumberland Mountains, uh, and I was hunting hogs with dogs with a group of of people. And I shot one with a muzzleloader, nice, about 200-pound kind of blondish boar. And um, I was really excited, so we we, we decided we're going to hike back and go get a four-wheeler and come get the hog, which I thank God they had a four-wheeler, right? So we're hiking back, and the dogs take off. And the guy taps me on the shoulder and says, Chester, I think that's the Satan hog. Let's go follow it. And I go, what the heck's the Satan hog, right? Why am I following this thing? And I'm like, okay. because uh, And this was a place I was hunting hogs. I was paying to go hunt hogs. And I couldn't just afford to kill another hog. But I, I loaded another thing in my muzzleloader just in case, right? Another We had another round of 54 caliber trajectory just in case. And I go out there and I see this, this scene unfold. There are these five dogs and they're baiting him up, and this hog is running and lashing at him, and he looked at me, and he ran straight at me, and I grabbed that tree, dropped my muzzle loader, pulled my leg up, and he hooked when he went by the tree, circled back around and he didn't run away. He went back to fight the dogs. The dogs are like, screw this, I'm out. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the hog ran right back to him. And, you, you know, every, you've used some hogs with dogs. Most of them are very relentless. You got some dogs a little more educated. They're like, look, can we really, can we negotiate the terms of this thing? And that was kind of what was happening. And they finally got bold, and they're after him. He's lashing out. He runs back again. He comes right at me again. And the, and he's, and, and my guide here is about 30 yards behind me at this point. I'm like, oh, great. You know, I'm trying to take pictures, of course. And I got a picture of this, and I go up a tree. And the hog hooks back around this time he takes off and the dogs go after him and and we wait for a little bit and the hog the, the you know the barking stops he calls him back in we get the dogs and everything i said man dude that satan hog was vicious because he goes oh that wasn't the satan hog i thought it was that wasn't him he's a lot meaner than that and i'm like okay so the satan <laughs> hog is somewhere probably still terrorizing people <laughs> in the mountains of tennessee and I think I, I met one of his subordinates and uh, got the you know what scared out of me. It was hilarious. I wish I'd have had a video of me shucking up that tree because you'd have thought I was a monkey. And uh, I never knew I could go up a tree with no limbs that quickly. Um, <laughs> and it was amazing. It was fun. And that's really what this is all about. Ending a kind of a heavy episode with some fun stuff. Jeff. Thank you for being on and tell us all the awesome ways on social media and stuff that people can connect with Jeff and tell us about your cookbook. Cause I know you got some pig recipes in there.
1: Oh yeah. Um, you know, people can find me at Jeff Crypto Hulk Stewart on, uh, Instagram and on, uh, Facebook. Uh, um, Just got a new book that just came out, the Wood Knot Volume 4, which is a cryptozoology book. Then I have my uh, Texas Jack series of cookbooks. Uh, I have the Texas Jack's Wild Game and Venison cookbook, which has been out for a few months, and people can find that either from me personally for an autographed one, or you can find it on Amazon. Easy, I don't think Amazon's delivering anymore, so I'll still deliver. (laughs) But, uh, You know, uh, my Wild Game and Venison Cookbook is just full of uh, recipes. And in there, I tell everybody, you know, you can substitute uh, different meats in them. And I'll tell them, you know, you can use venison in this one. You can use lamb. You can use uh, beef. Or you can use pork. You can use whatever. You know, you don't necessarily have to go out and kill a deer to uh, use these recipes. They work with other meats. And in there, I tell them about that. So that's a pretty good little book.
0: All right. well thank you so much for being on the show, and God bless all you listeners. Tune in. We're going to be delivering lots of shows here during this pandemic, praying to our Lord Jesus. This thing ends quickly. Delivering all kinds of great outdoors information to you. Higher Calling is sponsored by Texas Fish and Game. Go to fishgame.com for more information. Also, to sign up for our special e-newsletter three times a week. Yours truly puts together the ultimate in outdoors news, not just for Texas, but for all around the country. And you can get information on that at FishGame.com. Or if you want me to personally subscribe you to it, email me at Chester at ChesterMoore.com. That's Chester at ChesterMoore.com. Like Texas Fishing Game on Facebook and Instagram as well. Texas Fishing Game, the official sponsor of The Higher Calling. You've been listening to The Higher Calling, hosted by the wildlife journalist Chester Moore. Contact him at Chester at ChesterMore.com. Follow him at TheChesterMore on Instagram and his blog at HigherCalling.net.